We will return to chapter 1 for a little bit and then also proceed into chapter 2 of this exquisite story that is a royal bridge between the book of Judges and the book of 1 Samuel. Why do I mean, what do I mean by a royal bridge? It's because it is anticipating the arrival of a king that Israel was looking for at the end of Judges. Because at the end of Judges it says, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Why? Because there was no king in Israel. So today we'll proceed the next step over this short royal bridge. If you weren't with us last week, we considered the ABCs of Ruth. A being Ruth is awaiting a king. Like I said before, this story takes place in the time of the judges. And Israel was looking for a king. Their cycles of rejection of God's rule had led to spiritual and moral anarchy. And the people of God knew that they needed an authority for their hearts. Second of all, the B is Bethlehem. That's the setting of this story for the most part. Bethlehem meaning the house of bread. But here's the thing. The house of bread was barren. There was a famine in Israel. And even the most bountiful of places like Bethlehem had no food. In Bethlehem, we met a particular woman, Pleasant Naomi, that's what her name means, who by her own description was bitter. Ten years prior to this story, she had left Moab with her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malin and Kilian. Her husband in Moab died. Her two sons after taking wives, then died. It seems that she settled there for a little bit longer, and then hearing that there was food back home in Bethlehem, Naomi leaves to return to her hometown with two daughters-in-law, one who stays with her and one who returns to her home. Upon returning to Bethlehem, she states, I went away full but the Lord has brought me back empty. She is feeling herself blameworthy in some way as God's hand has gone out against her. At least that's how she interprets it. And she also finds the Lord blameworthy. He has brought calamity on me and tells her old friends, don't call me Pleasant Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. Bitter. However, the author doesn't change her name. The author doesn't change her name. Why? Because of the sea. Awaiting a king, A. Bethlehem, B. C is covenant kindness. Chesed is the Hebrew word for the steadfast, loyal love of God for his people. See, Naomi was still pleasantly God's. God in his kindness though mysterious, emptied Naomi of herself so that she could have more of him than she'd ever known before. 
especially in our sorrow, God gives us himself. And the kindness, this Hesed kindness, God often expresses through his people. Well, Naomi, as you can tell in her interaction with her old friends in Bethlehem, needs some up-close and personal kindness. And we'll see this morning that she receives it from God, but through a kind place and a kind people. Let's pray. Oh God, what a wonder that the same kind God that was working millennia ago in this story is the same kind God who I'm praying to you right now that we have come to worship this morning. And Emmanuel, God with us, I pray that you would send your spirit to work in our hearts this morning. You know the barrenness that can sometimes be there or we at least feel we're barren even if we're not actually spiritually barren. Oh Lord, would you refresh our souls, renew us. As we're told in 1 John, renew our life when we are stuck in sin. Give us grace. Give us more grace in you, Lord Jesus, we ask. In your name, amen. So hopefully you're in chapters 1 and 2. I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm actually going to do what I'm going to call a pastoral narrative. Uh, sometimes I get so deeply into the text, especially in a narrative like this, that it can be a little difficult to kind of bring it all together in a way that kind of hands you or invites you into the richness of the text. And... Um, that's something that was happening to me even yesterday, <laughs> to be honest. And so I'm, I'm going to read it pastorally this morning, hopefully bringing some application and also inviting you into the richness of it as we, in a sense, marinate in the kindness of our God this morning. So when I stop, you'll know that's kind of coming from my study this week, and then I'll kind of wrap things up again at the end of chapter 2. Let's start in the beginning of Ruth. Chapter 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, or God is my king. And the name of his wife, Naomi, pleasant. And the name of his two sons were Malin, weak, and Kilion, without strength. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. If you have a few moments this week, go back into the last four chapters of Judges and find out more about Bethlehem in the time of the Judges. This family of four went into the country of Moab. As Christopher Ash said, that would be like us leaving to go to the Islamic State. And they remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died. And she was left with her two sons. 
These sons took Moabite wives, snatched Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. They lived there about ten years, and both Malin and Kilion died. So that the woman, the now nameless widow, bereft woman, was left without her two sons and her husband. Names are important in the book of Ruth. And the author would not name Naomi's name here shows that she is now in her own view without identity. So she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law. Three widows now literally wandering through a no-man's land. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah, the promised land. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to your mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you. May he show hesed loving kindness with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. At the beginning of verse 8 there, what is the first thing she says to Orpah and Ruth? Go, return. Return in the Hebrew is called, is the word shuv. And it occurs 12 times just in this chapter. The theme of chapter 1 is to return. Which begs the question, when Elimelech, though starving, the husband of Naomi and the father of his two sons, though there was a famine in the land, should he have left Bethlehem? The author leaves that ambiguous. But it seems that this was a strange choice. Elimelech had land. As an Israelite, he had an inheritance in Bethlehem. This was also the promised land where God promised to bless his people. There was no instruction by God if famine came on the land as judgment for them to leave the land and try to find sustenance food elsewhere his instruction has always been repent the Hebrew word for repent is shuv return this is a call to repent to turn sometimes we think that repentance is like a spiritual inward change and oh of course it is when God grants in his kindness true repentance. But repentance is always actualized, seen, in a sense, performed in the best sense of the word. It, it does something in the person to show that there is an inward change that shows in an outward direction. God is at work here. Whether she 
was part of this plan to leave the promised land where she just followed her husband there, we don't know. Whether or not God counted it as sin, we don't know. We do know that now she has heard that there is bread in the land and her heart is turned to return. As you think about your own life, all of us are sinners, right? We all have sin to return from. There are also elements of life that we feel are put upon us. Famine, you might say. Things that are the circumstances of life, providentially ordained by God. And sometimes we run and we try to figure things out. How do I manage this situation? How do I somehow make this feel better? And God all the time is saying, whether it's your sin or whether it's the brokenness of the world, return. You'll only find bread in me. You'll only find life in me. Return. She then blesses Orpah and Ruth. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. My widow daughter-in-laws, leave, find rest through marriage. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices, and they wept. And they said to Naomi, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. My girls, you are feeling the bitterness of how God has treated me in your own life. Leave me. Return. Only The only hope you have is to go back to your own land, to your own parents' homes, Try to find husbands there. That's the only place where you will find actual life, is what Naomi is saying. Life has been stripped from you in my company. Go, find husbands. That's her interpretation of rest, her interpretation of life. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And Naomi said to Ruth, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Shuv with her. Return from anything you've experienced with me and go try to find life with someone else. 
underneath another God's rule. Naomi's heart was not where it needed to be yet. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. You can, you can almost see Ruth's hands flying up in the air. Do not do this, mother. Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where I will go and where I will go and where you lodge, I will lodge. I'm with you. Your people shall now be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. I'm with you, Naomi, till death do us part. Many times Ruth is preached as a love story between Ruth and somebody you're going to find out about a little later this morning. Ruth is a love story. It's a love story about God towards his people, both Jew and Gentile. And it's a love story of a daughter-in-law to her mother-in-law. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. And then listen to this. May the Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. Do you know what that is? She's making a covenant. She is making a covenant with Naomi, saying, Till death do us part, mother. I'm with you until then. And if I should abandon you, may God do more to me. May he punish me. May he judge me if I walk away from you. To which a question should be asked. How does Ruth arrive at this sort of mentality? Where she would make such a covenant commitment where she would, in effect, return to a home that she never left, a people that she has not yet met, a God who was probably minimally represented by Elimelech, Naomi, and their sons. People of God, this is a work of grace. This is a work of God intervening in a situation. And if it is true that those boys snatched, as the Hebrew seems to show, snatched these wives and made them their own, Ruth somehow intersected with this family in the providence of God and somehow heard of the covenant that God had made with his peculiar people, Israel, and brought her to a place that says, no matter what God has emptied me of as a young widow, if I stick with Naomi, I'm going to the promised land. I will know the God of the covenant. And so, whereas Naomi's heart is not yet where it should be, Ruth's is. Ruth is returning, forsaking her gods, 
and her people. And going to a people and to a God who she does not yet fully know, but she knows she's on the way. This is an act of faith. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? She said to them, Do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She represents her situation as empty. Knowing what we know about Ruth, she's fuller now than she ever was. But the Lord needs to continue to work in her heart to change her understanding, her measurements of what empty and full actually look like. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, that's the way she's described throughout the entire book. Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. There it is again. She is unmistakably an outsider. A foreigner. As it says in Ephesians 2 that Jake read earlier, a stranger to the covenants. Far off from the true God. Yet they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. What do we know about Boaz so far? He's a relative of Naomi, and he's a worthy man. A book that I've been reading about short stories, specifically Russian short stories, is that characters start off as stick figures, And we're introduced to them for the first time. And then the characterizations of these characters put flesh and bone on them. If you'd never read Ruth before, right now you'd be saying, cool, Boaz. He's a worthy man. And he's from the same family as Elimelech. That's all you know. Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi... Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him, in whose sight I shall find favor. Pause. Real quick, here's the thing. If you go back and read those last four chapters of Judges, you're going to find out that Israel at this point is a nasty place. And it's a rough place, especially for women. Yet, here is Ruth, the Moabite, in a land that is not hers, among a people who are not hers, trusting God's covenant. In Deuteronomy chapter 24, this is in the Pentateuch, it's part of the covenant, listen to this. This is instruction to the people of Israel. When you reap your harvest in your field and forget a sheaf in the field, You shall not go back to get it. 
It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. When you beat your olive trees, you shall not go over them again, trying to pick up all the olives. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Therefore, I command you to do this. Property owners, farmers, those with status, those with farms and fields, they weren't always that way. Though the promised land had been promised to them, they did not yet have it when they were in Egypt or when they were wandering around for those 40 years. The covenantal instruction is to say, when you have fields, don't strip them bare. Leave some. Because there are others who need it among you. Be a steward of the sojourner by being a steward of what I have blessed you with. So, what is Ruth doing here? She is that sojourner widow in Deuteronomy. What is Ruth doing here? Ruth believes the covenant. Ruth is now in the land, in the house of bread, and there's barley in the fields. If you're inside Ruth's head, you're thinking, I believe that God is good. I believe he has made a covenant to his people and that therefore I will go out among his covenant people and trust that there will be barley left in the fields. Again, it's an act of faith. Does God's word really accomplish in his people what it is supposed to accomplish? And can I trust that his word is true? Ruth has no reason to doubt. No reason to think otherwise. And she takes this step of faith and says, Naomi, mother, I'm going out. Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her daughter, go, my daughter. So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. I mean, think of this. This is the house of bread, right? Bethlehem. And if the Lord comes and visits with rain upon the barley seed in a place called the house of bread, imagine how many fields there are surrounding Bethlehem. Because as God's covenant people who have received parcels of land, actual land, in this agrarian society to farm themselves, there were fields upon fields upon fields. And at this point, the only field that Ruth would have known is the empty one that she and Naomi came back to that is now probably cracked and broken after 10 years of famine. Maybe it's a mud pit now that the rains have come, but there has been no seed there to grab the dirt and hold on to it. Though God has brought food to Bethlehem, there's no food for them unless they come and receive the aid of someone else. So she went out and gleaned and just happened 
just happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Just happened, winks the author. Just happened that she would just happen to go to that field without knowing this relative of Naomi's. Again, he was part of the clan of Elimelech. My God is king. And behold, behold, behold is meant to like open up our eyes. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He walks out of the town to his field. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. In narratives, oftentimes it's important to look at the very first thing as this stick figure is being given flesh and bone. What's the very first thing this character says? What's the very first thing this character says in the time of the judges when everyone is doing what is right in their own eyes? The very first thing Boaz says, this worthy man, is the Lord be with you. He goes out to his workers and blesses them in the name of Yahweh. And they answer, the Lord bless you. This is a good workplace. This, he is a good boss. He is blessing those who are working under his authority and in his fields. He is a worthy man. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? In a time when women were abused, when women were disregarded in violent ways, as it says at the end of Judges. The second thing Boaz says is, whose young woman is this? He has eyes for everyone who is in his fields. Noticing. And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, she is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Ruth had said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came out and she has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. Then Boaz turns to Ruth and he speaks to her. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? He was a protector. This worthy man in the time of the judges was a covenant protector. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. And he was a provider. He knew what she would need to do the hard work that she was doing. He provided water. To which Ruth responds by falling on her face, bowing to the ground. And she said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner, I am Ruth from Moab, Ruth the Moabitess. 
Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me? I have been far off and just only recently near. But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. Boaz knew her story. Boaz seeks to protect her and to provide for her exactly the type of woman that needed protection and provision. I have known, been told everything that you have done for your mother-in-law since you became a widow and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. Oh, daughter, the Lord repay you for what you have done, for your faith, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What a picture of protection, of provision, of security, of filling as that baby chick of a bird rests under her mother's wing, protected, held closely, warmed, loved. In the shadow of grace, maybe not understanding why it is so dark under that wing, but knowing that the one whose wing was over her was exactly where she should be. Listen to Psalm 36, 5 through 10. It's a Psalm of David. He writes, Your steadfast love, O Lord, that's Hesed, extends to the heaven, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind, they take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life, and in your light do we see light. Oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright of heart. Psalm 57, verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Psalm 91, as Alan read earlier. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. What is a fowler? A bird hunter. 
from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. What I have written here in my Bible when I was reading this a couple years ago, the believer here is seen as a bird. Weak, fragile, vulnerable, but sheltered under the wing of God. This is what Boaz says about Ruth. Ruth, by returning here. Ruth, by making this covenant with your mother-in-law, which is a covenant with the Lord, you have arrived in a place where you, even as a refugee, now find refuge. To which Ruth says, I have found Favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. The day progresses, and at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So Ruth came and sat beside the reapers, and Boaz passed to her roasted grain. She ate until she was satisfied, until she was full, and she had some left over. When she rose to glean again, Boaz instructed his young men, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. Also, pull out some from the bundles, the stuff that you guys have already put together. Pull some out of it. Leave it for her to glean, and do not rebuke her. She was still stumbling around trying to figure out what does it look like to be a poor gleaner in this society. And Boaz is saying, boys, don't touch her. Also, don't reproach her and don't rebuke her. She has come to take refuge. She's under the shadow of the Lord's wing. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city, back to Bethlehem. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, Where did you glean today? Where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So Ruth told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I work today is Boaz. Why had Naomi not approached Boaz? Don't know. Might not have felt that it was her place in their society. Maybe it wasn't her place. But she knew something because she said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose chesed kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, This man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close by my young men until they have finished all my harvest. There's more to come, mother. 
And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and the wheat harvests. And she lived. She now found a home with her mother-in-law. There is protection and provision for the desperate, the powerless, the forgotten, the bitter, the refugee, the unfaithful, the depressed, the guilty, the tired, the restless, those who feel like they are never noticed, those who feel like they are under the hand of God rather than the wings of God. There is protection and provision under the wings of God. I would encourage you to meditate on that picture this week. If you are in Christ, there is no other place for you than under the wing of God. God says, my kindness is what leads you to return, to repent. Jesus says, oh Israel, I, I wish that I could gather you like a hen gathers her chicks. Showing you the fullness of the kindness in me. So return to me. I have made a new covenant by my blood, protecting you from the punishment you do deserve yet providing the fullness of forgiveness that you need. So now in Christ Jesus, you all who once were far off have been brought near by my blood. I am your peace. Where will you find rest? Where will you find satisfaction? Where will you find healing outside of those wings? You won't. We won't. He himself is our peace. Can I read to you a, the lyrics to a song? It's called The Gospel is Rest by Elias Dumer. It's been good for my heart the last few months. Lord, I've got the world upon my shoulders, but you've been saying, child, put it down. I prayed and prayed that you would take my burden, but you keep saying, child, put it down. Maybe I'm addicted to the worry. Maybe I'm a slave to holding on. Help me put it down. Help me put it down. I've heard it said, the gospel is rest. Oh, how I need it. Say it again until I believe it. Oh, how I need it. Lord, you took the world upon your shoulders. Now all I have to do is put it down. I'm living like some weary beast of burden and you keep saying, child, put it down. 
Well, maybe I've been trying to be the hero, fighting wars that you've already won. Help me put it down. Oh, how I need that peace that passes understanding. How I need it. How I need it. There is no rebuke or reproach for all those who are in Christ anymore. The Savior spread his wings and protected us from the wrath of God that should have fallen on us. He says there's no more rebuke, there's no more reproach, there's no more shame, there's no more guilt. I have taken that upon myself. You are now my people, and I am your God. So come glean of me, Jesus says. Know the fullness of the bread of life, for I have visited my people. I am Emmanuel. Eat of me. Come, take this bread dipped in wine. I give myself to you. Lord Jesus, as we come to this table this morning, we thank you that you are the one with the mighty wings and that you gather your people to yourself. We thank you that you have given us of yourself to find rest and refuge in you. And that even as you came once, Emmanuel, you will come again. And there will be a feast, an abundance of bread and wine and every rich delicacy on your table as we feast with you, Jesus, our refuge, our rest, and our Redeemer. We thank you in your name. Amen.